And so, with the cup held high, me the leave Croke Park, All-Ireland football champion for 1949. Oh, beautiful me, you got all that I need. Dimpsey hits Davin Fee. Anthony Finnerty comes in and gives him a touch of the elbow. Colin Coyle hitting Finnerty. This is Colm's first punch. Finity delayed reaction, looks around, sees Martin O'Connell coming in and thinks that the best action is to go down. What a set of matches we've had. Four terrific and memorable games. Final score meets 2-10. Dublin, 15. So Joe McDonough, GA president, presents Sam McGuire to Graham Garrity and meet of the football champions. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to a very special interview on the We Are Mead podcast. It's Mickey Brennan here and I'm joined by the one and only Connor Nash. Connor Nash from Simonson, a man who signed a professional contract with Hawthorns in Australia in 2016. Um, Connor, delighted to have you on the show. Thanks very much Mickey, thanks for having me. Uh, I suppose the first thing to mention obviously is your professional contract with Hawthorne. You, you, you signed that in 2016. It was a, a massive year for you in many ways in that you were doing the leave insert, you had to go to Australia a couple of times to meet up with the Hawks and uh, also you had the little, I suppose, job of trying to win a senior championship with Simonson in the Keegan Cup and you managed to do all three in that year. Yeah, it, was a, it wasn't a bad year, all right. Um, I suppose it started off, uh, I went out to Oz for a two-week stint around January. I remember I had to squash it squashed the mocks in um, in a week or in a week and a half or something and went straight off to Oz with Dad for two weeks training and I came back from that two week stint with a, a professional contract and then I came I was, I was like him and home jeez I'm back here with a contract this is this this is getting real like um, so I let the rugby boys know and Lancer what the situation was they met up with me and they uh, talked about the path they could they could uh, see me going down with them um, and it wasn't like Hawthorne told me, right, by this stage you need a decision. Um, they said, take as much time as you need. Um, but I kind of had a fair idea as where, as, as where I was going, um, because this started when I was 15. Like, Yeah, I was just, just going to bring you back to that, because like, you, know, you say you went to Australia in January and just came back with a contract. Yeah, there yeah. obviously had to be something yeah. before that. So where did it all start for you? You're saying 15 years of age. What happened? Because I've got a story about you when you were 15 years old, <laughs> and I didn't know you as well. What happened when you were 15? Um, so yeah, Dad got a phone call one day at work from a guy called Mark McKenzie, one of the recruiters, and he... Uh, he said, um, oh, my name's Mark, I'm from Hawthorne, a professional Aussie rules team, I'd like to get in contact with your son, I think he's a, a good Gaelic football player. And Dad said, yeah, 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 and put the phone down straight away. <laughs> another and, hoax uh, call. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so a couple of days later, he got another call from Mark, the same man, again, uh, saying, no, this is actually real, um, we'd like to start a relationship and start training him up and... We could see this as an opportunity uh, for Connor later down the down the road. Where but had they seen you? Where had they? they... It was schools football. They'd uh, they'd watch me uh, playing, and they keep tabs with um, with minor football and that with the county as well. But it was mainly schools football that they watched, say juvenile, junior, the whole way up. Um, and they, Hawthorne do it a little different to Ty Kennelly's way in that they start a relationship at the younger age, so mm-hmm. it's that bit easier for someone to make a decision. 
um, and to see if it could be for them. Yeah, because the story I have on that is that at the time I was living in Cavan and I had played uh, football with a guy uh, from Cavan Gales by the name of Nicholas Walsh. Nicholas had gone over, I think, in 2014 or 13 to uh, Australia as a strength and conditioning coach. And when you were 15 years of age, he rang me up one day and he says, uh, do you know anything about Conor Nash? And I says, yeah, well, if, uh, he's with Simonstown. I says, I've heard quite a bit about him. He's a great footballer and whatever. And he asked me, would I be able to get a number for your mum and dad? And, like, I didn't know you personally at that stage. Yeah. But it was obvious at that stage that you were making huge inroads in, in, in Australia. And a lot of people were taking notice of you. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, I remember you, I remember you saying that to me at the time, actually. Um, or yeah, I remember mum saying it to me, definitely. Um, or that you were looking for the number because yeah. uh, he was I know he was out there with uh, the GWS That's right, um, in Sydney so uh, they're a professional team as well so look it's kind of the thing when one team gets interested in you all the other teams are like alright oh, he could be a good one or whatever and then they kind of start a bit of a bidding war but not really much of a bidding war Hawthorne kind of started from the start so it all, I was always going with them because uh, they'd started they'd the foundation they laid the the blocks and it was uh, so much easier with them. Who was your contact? Was it, I know Mickey Quinn at Longford um, he, he did a lot with you before you went and was he one of the points of contact for you before you went to Australia or? He was yeah um, he helped me a lot with training and just any questions in, I had. Was, was that in Ireland? Like, yeah he did, this was in Ireland he, he did, did the training, he did training with me yeah so it wasn't every week now because I was flat out with rugby and at the time so he every couple of weeks we'd meet up for a session or two and a couple of hours just kicking the ball and he'd tell me all his his thoughts and what he learned when he was out there because he spent three years if not four with Essendon uh, in Melbourne um, and uh, he, he just he was such a good uh, mentor to me at the time Brilliant. Uh, he did a lot of work so it was forever grateful to him well, you're after mentioning it there a couple of times as well and I wanted to move on to that as well is Leinster Rugby and Navin Rugby um, because again had you not signed for Hawthorne uh, Leinster had you in the bag as well Like so it must be great that you had all these options um, uh, in 2015-2016 yeah it was well it was any young lad would certainly want that in their plate but then it when they both came, it was kind of like, geez, this is actually quite hard. And what way am I going to go? Am I going to make the right decision? Um, because it was a massive decision mm-hmm. as to which way I was going to go. Um, so, yeah, it was nice at the time, but it was a bit of a headache as well. Um, but mum and dad helped me massively the whole way through it. Um, and they, I know dad spent a lot of hours just chatting to people with rugby and dad and various people with various teams and stuff like that trying to sort out what uh, what was the best option for me. And, and and the way you did it is probably the best option because you couldn't go and join Leinster Rugby and then a couple of years later say, OK, I'm going to head to Australia now and give it a shot. It, at least this way, if, if things don't work out, which I'm sure they will because I know you and I know the type of mentality you have, it will work out for you in Australia. But if it didn't, we'll say you would be able to come back then and go to Leinster Rugby. So you did it the right way around, I suppose. Yeah, uh, if I was going to do Aussie Rules, it was going to be then and now. Like, um, there was no way I could say to Aussie Rules, I'll come back to me in two or three years, I'll have a crack at the rugby first and maybe by then. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yes, Leinster are still keeping tabs on me somewhat these days, but 
even if I was to come back and things didn't work out as planned in Oz, um, it would still be a massive amount of work um, to get back into the rugby. I'd have to change yeah. kind of a bit of body type and stuff like that and learn the game again. So um, it would be a massive challenge. But look, Aussie rules is, is what I'm doing now and I'm 100% I'm committed to that happening and uh, looking forward to the year ahead. And, and, and on that, you're now a professional athlete. Um, yeah. You are a professional sports person. Um, and uh, I, I suppose like to go from playing Gaelic with Simonson last year to being a professional athlete the following year, like what, what is that like to become a professional athlete? It is every kid's dream. Like. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool enough, all right. Because um, <laughs> it's your kind of job. I suppose <laughs> he, um, he did the inverted commas thing there. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is. That's what you do every day. You get up and you go to training, and that's what you're being paid to do is to produce results on the pitch in the gym and and be ready for games um, because it's a massive business over there. So we need to get the results at the weekend. Um, but yeah, it is different. Yeah, when it I suppose when I fir was first going over on the plane um, last November. It didn't really hit home. I was kind of like, oh, I'm going out to play Aussie Rules and yeah. that's what I'm going to be doing. And um, It didn't really hit till I started, I suppose, two weeks in when I was like, yeah, I've, I'm in a routine now. This is what I'm doing. I wake up or whatever and I go to the club and I have all this stuff to do and get done that day. And then another day starts and then everything else falls around that, your rest days and what you do outside of it and all that. So it... Yeah, it takes over your life, and that's it should. Um, because if you want it to be it to be a success, you need to uh, put one hundred percent effort into it. You're such a you're such a mature head on young shoulders. It's 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 great to hear. It's uh, it's it's brilliant. And I, I, just to take it back, because we will come back to being a sport a professional sports athlete. But um, the Mead Miners in two thousand and fifteen, yeah. you played a lot with the Mead Miners, and obviously last year. You had a leaving cert, as we said. We had, we had the rugby and the Aussie rules chasing you. Um, and you didn't get to, to play with the Mead Miners in 2016. But 2015, you played the full season. Yeah, 2015 was a serious year. Um, we had a very good bunch of lads who got on very well, which I think is very important in a team, uh, for a team to be successful. Um, and we had, I suppose... We had somewhat a, a good year and then we got to the semi-final of the Leinster and lost to Longford by, a, I think, a point or two in the end. Um, but look, uh, it was a great time. The training we did was phenomenal and it certainly brought me on as a, a football player and set me up for 2016, I suppose, with St. Pat's and that. Um, mm -hmm. It drove me on and I really enjoyed that year. 2016, I suppose, was different in that I made a decision at the start of the year and said I'd play football uh, with Pats, with the senior team, and I'd play rugby then with Navin outside. So it was a bit, I suppose, a bit selfish on my on my part. But uh, that was. We well, also had you also had in January or February, as you said earlier on, you had gone to Australia, you had come back with that professional contract, and you had the leaving cert coming up. And I suppose it was very hard to juggle everything. Yeah, and it was. Keep everybody happy. Certainly, when I came back with that contract and. I was kind of finishing out the rugby season, wanted to have a good end to that. I didn't want to just leave rugby and and then be finished with that because it was mm -hmm. probably, it was, I remember going into my last rugby match, it was against Trinity up there in a, um, a cup match, I think, or a league game up in Navan and we were getting hammered or whatever and um, I came on and it was, I was, I was just so happy to be on the pitch for the last time, I suppose. Uh, 
and it was because it was yeah it kind of hit me a bit I suppose that that was the last time I was playing rugby for the foreseeable future anyway yeah um but yeah, no, leaving certain that coming up, I had thought about it then again when the rugby finished, say April or so, I said, could I go back and could I give a bit to it? But no, I was very focused on the leaving certain and getting that under my belt because that's extremely important too. Yeah, and, and, and you did very well in the leaving cert, it has to be said, um, which is a credit to you and, and a credit to your parents for being able to keep you so um, focused. Um, do you want to say how many points you got in the leaving cert? No, I won't. Well, I say it then. You did. You did very well. You, you were well over the five hundred mark. We'll say that. Okay. Um, and uh, and for a young lad who had a prof- signed a professional contract with, with with an AFL team in the January or February, to be able to stay focused and and think about your leaving cert the way you did, huge credit to you. But obviously, that uh, that has to come from your parents. Yeah. No. It'll- Certainly was for mum and dad. Um, they drove it home. They didn't ram it down my throat or anything. They just said, look, uh, sport can certainly be a career for you if you put all your effort into it, but you're only one injury away or one decision away from, from it not being uh, 10 years of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the average uh, career of an Aussie Rules player is four, four or five years, so right. it's not much at all. It's not mm-hmm. certainly not something you're going to be able to live on. So you need to have a career after that. Um, and they said, look, you could play your sport, but on the days when you don't have sport, the evenings you don't have sport, just go at the books. And it's nothing major, just doing your bit each night. And then as you get closer to the exams, the sport winds down. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, so And put more, uh, yeah, put more effort your, into yeah. the studies. So, I was, look, I was just going into the Leaving Cert. Um, Quite with relaxed, I'd yeah. say. Well, <laughs> I suppose, yeah, a lot of people say that to me. Oh, you must, you, you can do what you want in there and you can just relax because you have the next year or two sorted out anyway. You know what you're doing. Yeah. What I knew, and ma- mom and dad always said that, yeah, you have those two years or whatever on the contract sorted, but it's, say, if you weren't to get another two or whatever, like, you need to, you need to have something in the bag. And it's, it's something... I had to have to tip my hat off that they uh, they drove that home, but it's a massive thing out there in Oz as well, and such a there's such a big culture of it around our club um, at Hawthorne that we are always doing something outside of footy. Well, yeah, and, and and that's something as well. Um, is that okay? You are a professional athlete over there, and you have your your structured week for training and uh, um, recovery and weight sessions and all that. But you're also studying as well. Yeah, no, doing a Bachelor of Commerce degree on uh, online. So it's the reason I'm doing it online as well, because I'm home now um, in Ireland, but the academic year is still running over there, so okay. it, would, it would be impossible to go to lectures <laughs> and that. So um, it makes it that bit easier, and it's going very well. I'm enjoying it. So, um, But, yeah, no, over there, they have a, there's a massive ethos that you have to be doing something outside of footy, whether it's, I don't know, there's lads doing, they have landscaping businesses or they're, coffee shops, uh, becoming baristas, this other, whatever interest uh, lads have. A lot of, there's a lot of lads in uni as well uh, doing various degrees. So. so They put a great emphasis on having something you know, yeah. that suits you when you're finished. Exactly. With the, yeah. exactly. Whatever it is, make sure you're doing something because footy, Aussie rules is like a religion over there, especially in Melbourne with 10 out of the 18 teams in Melbourne. So mm-hmm. it's, there's, 
a show every night. There's various radio shows every day talking about footy and what's going on in, in the footy world. So to, you need to get away from that at some stage yeah. uh, because it will mentally drain you over the, over the year. And I suppose then we'll, we'll kick it on then to, uh, to playing your underage football with Simonstown. Um, you grew up playing with Simonstown. Um, you've played with a lot of players. Who were your biggest influences manager-wise and stuff when you were growing up in Simonstown? Who uh, managed you at under 12, would you say? Under 12 would have been Kieran Conlon, so what if I think Kieran Conlon and Collie Farrell was there as well. Uh, those two men were extremely influential. Kieran Conlon, as in your mate Brian Conlon, his dad? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kieran and Collie Farrell and um, the two of them were brilliant in uh, my career in Simonstown. We we had such a good team, again, such a good bunch of lads who got on very well with each other. Um, we trained bloody hard, I can tell you that much, but it all uh, it all came to bear when we did so well. Um, I think under 12s, 13s, 14s, 15s, 16s, we won the championship. Um, I think Excellent. myself and Breen were, Breen Conlon were playing one or two years out of our age, and it was, uh, it was such a good team at that time, we just drove it on. Well, once we won one, we wanted to win another, and we went to Fela, and we lost in the All-Ireland semi-final, I think, which uh, was a disappointing day, but, yeah, no, they, those two men were certainly huge influence, a huge influence on me. And, and who else, what other players were on that team? You mentioned Breen, but any of the players still playing for Simonson at this stage? Yeah, or? you would have had Chris O'Neill and Ben Hoy were the two men inside doing all the damage. Uh, Brian Class McGrath, Brian McGrath wing-back, uh, Killian Farrell was there midfield. Um, I think that's oh, Shane Gallagher as well was Shane there. Gallagher. Some um, quality footballers in that team. Yeah, no, we had a serious team at the time and we did some serious damage. Ah, oh, yeah. What, and, and they're the type of memories you want to have. And they're the lads that you're friends with now. And it's, uh, they're friendships that'll last forever, like. Yeah, certainly, yeah. Um, you don't go in like, six championships or four or five in a row, anyway without uh, having great mates beside you. So, um, no, certainly they'll uh, certainly be friends for for life anyway. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you'll them. Always, you'll always come back to talk about it when, when you get older. I remember those days when we won all those all those games in a row and that, and we are hammering every single team around us, so it was a, it was a big plus. Yeah, and, and then going on to help Simon's to senior victories as well. These are a credit to... Uh, those two lads that were managers at, at, at underage, and um, uh, then we'll bring it back now to Australia. And when you went over, obviously you, you're, you're with Hawthorns, but you don't go straight into uh, the, the Hawthorns first team setup. You, you end up playing for the Box Hill Hawks, which is a reserve team. Is that right? Yeah, it's a reserve team, or that's affiliated with Hawthorn. Okay. Um, so you have your forty, I think. 40-odd players listed with Hawthorne as an AFL club. You do train together, you do absolutely everything together at the club um, during the week, and then you simply play two separate games then. Okay. Um, if you're not selected for the seniors, you play for the reserves. And it can be, it's not all just the young lads playing for reserves, it's whoever's in form. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could have a, you could have a eight, nine-year veteran playing with the reserves if he's not in form with the senior team so it's there's a lot of chopping and changing and because we have such a strong affiliated team in the Box Hill Hawks it's uh, very easy for somebody to go 
to go down and then come back up. Yeah. Um, like when when someone gets dropped or is playing a lot of games at Box Hill, you're not just stuck there. You can very easily be brought in the next week with injuries and and, and form and that. So, um, it's and we we learn the same structures and. Uh, and game plan as well, so it's the exact same. So it's it's. Uh, and your, your your full training week is with those guys. Yeah, you, you everybody. Gym sessions, the yeah, whole lot. Your ball sessions. Absolutely, everything is together, and you train for preseason all together. Um, and then you simply just play your, your two different games. Then, yeah. At the weekend, um, the Box Hill boys. Then there's say Hawthorn don't make up all of the Box Hill team reserve team. So there's probably only ten or twelve that come from. Hawthorne's list oh, right. that player Box Hill so we don't actually have a full team of just Hawthorne players oh right so okay that's then, interesting so then there's just amateur well kind of semi-professional players uh, who make up the rest who are listed with Box Hill as a club as a club and so they could be they'll still be have a full-time job mm-hmm. and will train in the evenings um, but could earn it will be earning cash on the side as well uh, for, for playing box, with the, for playing for with the box, box Hill, Hill. Yeah. and uh, so is it that they're not good enough to play for the first team? Is that it, or <coughs> they're just not they're listed? They're just not listed with an AFL team. Okay. Now, having said that, a lot of them would be ex AFL players or players who have been delisted. Um, they might have st- got drafted at eighteen, been in the system for four or five years, and then have fallen out of the system and coming back then to these clubs, these affiliated clubs. Ah, right. As they'd be working full time, and then they'd be playing at the weekend. Then. Um, so it's an out. interesting setup. Really. It is, yeah, and it's a brilliant setup. It works fantastic, really. Like the VFL is the the competition we play in the Victorian Football League, and mm-hmm. like before Aussie Rules was the AFL, it was only ever played in Victoria down the southeast. So it was never played up in uh, as a main competition in the rest of Australia. It was only played down in Victoria. So um, that is still a very strong competition today with a, a lot of history. And. And I suppose to take it on to uh, playing then last year, you started off in, in March. You were there, obviously, from November of last year. You kicked off your season in March. You had your pre-season in, uh, matches in February. Um, how was it going for you? Like what, How were you liking it at the start? Did you get playing straight away? Yeah, I loved it. it uh, I loved the training and having the body in good nick. And although it was bloody hard at times, uh, it was... Uh, it was rewarding to see results in your times getting better and running and lifting bigger weights and all this type of stuff and mm-hmm. better game sense and kicking the ball better and um, actually knowing what's going on because at the start it can be quite daunting. Certainly in the few times that I've been over previous it was kind of a bit, geez, what's going on here? I'm, I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, whereas before playing rugby and ga, you were in a lot more control. You knew what was going on. You might have been... Um, you might have been calling the shots at some stage, so I certainly wasn't doing that when I first went over, and still am, and still not now, although I'm doing a bit more. Um, but yeah, no, the season started off really well, and a good, really good pre-season, um, did a lot of the training, um, and then got selected then for a senior pre-season game, the last one against Port Adelaide, flew over to Adelaide, Excellent. played a bit there, so I was going really well and set up for a good season, so went back then to the, the VFL then for the first four rounds and yeah in the fifth round then had a bad a bad hamstring injury um, I'd started so well the first four rounds and was building on uh, building each week and really improving and getting to know more about the game plan and where to go and where to get the ball and that type of thing so 
yeah, for, it all came crashing down for a while, but uh, we eventually got back up afterwards. What happened to your, What happened to hamstring? Was it during a game? Was it a training? Or Yeah, it was during a game against Richmond, round five, and I was simply just running and jumped then. Uh, so I just put all my weight through my left leg as left leg as I went to take off and just yeah I knew it straight away it was like nothing I'd never ever felt before it uh, just snapped and it was the hamstring tendon it didn't completely snap in half but was as good as um, so how long were you out for then I was out for three months uh, from the date I left to getting back playing again and the interesting thing is that the guy that you live with over there Connor Glass from Derry both of you were progressing along very similarly, and you were playing really well. And uh, Connor ended up—he ended up getting called into the Hawks, into the Hawthorns' first team, and um, to play a couple of games. And uh, and I remember watching um, uh, a video of your manager speaking to the the team before one of the games, giving one of his speeches, or m- might have been after a training or something. But he was saying about Connor Glass and how well he was doing, and that it was he deserved his shot with the first team. Then he mentioned you. And he says that, you know, as well as that, Conor Nash, you are a serious talent. And had you not got your injury, you may have been called up here today. So, you know, was it kind of bittersweet for you that you're living with Conor, the two years are doing so well together. And then just that hamstring probably stopped you from progressing with him into the first team that, that week. No, I, um, no, it was, well, it wasn't really at all. I, like we lived together and we just hoped that two of us, Play as many games as we can. Yeah, we there's no. Uh, oh no, I mean, was no, it was it was it? I don't mean. I mean, was it bittersweet in that you were like the two years were going so well together? Yeah, and then and then you just got yeah, that hamstring injury, yeah, and, but, and you're kind of looking going. The two of us could be doing. Yeah, so exactly. Well. Yeah. The two of us could. It would be brilliant if the two of us could have debuted together. Yeah. That was my thinking, I suppose. Um, I was yeah. I think I'd done like my first six or seven weeks in in the rehab and it was then that Connor got called in um, and stayed in uh, to his credit for the last six games of the season mm-hmm. um, but it would it would have been lovely his family was over as well it would have been lovely if I had got in there and made my debut as well but at the same time but look these things happen in professional sport and you have to you have to remember that um, it doesn't all go very smoothly a lot of That's professional it. athletes of with 10 year careers will come out the other side and tell you tell you that there was a lot of bumps along the road so um, look we're, the body's right now again and we're good to go for season 2018 and you just as you mentioned that again uh, you, you mentioned how you had to go through the, the rehab and whatever and it was three months of rehab so uh, take us through a, a training week so you know because being a professional athlete, I'll say it again, you means that, as you said, you're not working, but you do have structures in place for the whole week, and you've got downtime, and you've got, um, you know, off days where you where you get rest days and whatever. But your 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 actual structure for the week would start with Monday. Yeah, I kind of I'll split it into say pre-season and in-season. Pre-season on a Monday, you'll be in there say seven o'clock. You're doing your physio, strapping, and prehab or massage. From seven to eight, you're a team meeting, say, maybe, actually, sorry, 10 to eight or whatever, you're in for a team meeting. Um, everybody together to go through training, what's on for the day, who's injured, who's taken what drills, what coaches, um, and what we want to work on for that session. Then you go out onto the pitch, you're training for an hour and a half to two hours in pre-season out there. Um, you come back in, you do, when we're on the pitch, we do all our stuff on the pitch there and then. 
we'd never come in. Did you do in. a lot of long runs or anything? Like, c- compared to Gaelic training or rugby training, would there be any uh, comparisons? Certainly with Ga, there's a lot of fart-like runs that you'd be doing in Ga. Um, say your 150s, your 300 metres, but say, not so much with rugby, that's kind of more short, sharp, explosive, okay. speed off the line type stuff. Um, so it, w- it wasn't too bad. I got used to it fairly easily, and they gradually bring you in as well. They gradually bring everyone in because they're coming back from their off-season, so yeah. we can't go flat out from the start. There'll be injuries. But, so we do our training then for about two hours. You come in, you'll be panjacks, you'll get your shower, you'll get your ice baths, your um, spa, whatever, steam room, whatever you need to do to just reset the body. Mm-hmm. You go in, you have your lunch. Um, it's all there at the club or whatever caterers and that sort that out in the kitchen and then you're out then to do your weights or it could be a weights or a circuit or a boxing session or it could be a swim downstairs or it could be a bike session whatever they have planned the, the boxing session would come in handy in AFL <laughs> <laughs> ah yeah no there's a, you can do a lot more all right, but, uh, there yes you do that and again you're uh, working hard and you come in you do more recovery with the ice baths and and uh, massage you you have there's certain you have your slots for your massage it's all laid out during the week and everybody so has to everybody has to go for them every you have to go i know it seems yeah. different you actually you have to go for your massage you get in trouble if you don't go for your massages like it's keeping uh, your muscles supple and, exactly, and you're, yeah. you're you're putting them, your muscles through so much that they de- they have to be kept supple yeah, and that's they just do. it or else yeah you'll get injuries so um you have to go for them and that type of thing. So you'll finish, say, half two or three o'clock or whatever, maybe half three. And other, other type of things that would come in would be, I know me and Connor Glass would have done a lot of extra hands or kicking up in the indoor gym and that just kicking with a, a coach or a development coach just working on our craft. Yeah, there's a video of that as well where you kick the rugby ball into the basketball net. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a bit of that crap that goes on, just doing skills and trick shot videos and stuff like that. But, uh, we do a lot of that stuff, all right. But uh, like, there's a lot of the time when lads aren't on the pitch and they're upstairs in the indoor gym, they're kicking around uh, a gal ball. There's a gal ball there, they're, they're playing uh, keep you uppies or basketball or cricket or something different, frisbee. It could be anything. They like us just using. Yeah. Other parts of your body are different things, exposing your body to different reactions yeah. and, and, and different things, and, 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 all, and the different games all bring different skill sets. Exactly. So, therefore, you're, you're prepared for anything that can happen. Really. Exactly, yeah. So, we do a lot of that, and there's other, other things like uh, vision, which is looking at video and um, going into coaches, how you're going, or who you're matching up against this How many weekend. coaches do you have? Uh, there's probably. 20 at least, 25. 20 There's 20 different, yeah. Well, probably, or maybe not. Yeah, there's about 20 with all the various development coaches. And, and so each each coach has a different aspect that he yeah, needs to there's different aspects. So just, you've got the senior coaches and you've got the development coaches, which are, they're all together, basically, and doing all their own bit. But then the development coaches take a lot of the younger guys and that type of stuff okay. to develop us. Um then senior coaches is split into backs, forwards, mids, then stoppages. You got a ruckman's coach. Um, we got then all the boys and the uh, analyzing the games and the stats. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got everything, absolutely everybody. Every single angle is covered. Of it. it is covered because they're trying to. Nearly every club 
would have kind of the same setup. So each year, a club will bring in something different to get that little extra, that little yeah. marginal gain. So, and then eventually after a year or two, all the other clubs will catch on, and then it's like, well, who's going to make the next move and who's going to make the next gain? So, um, yeah, it is a game as well. Yeah, trying to be the best. It's uh, it's it's nearly like a game of chess by the sounds of things. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's an incredible game. But uh, I suppose then, like after all that, you've done all your yeah, you've done all your uh, training and uh, you've you've had it all mapped out for you for the whole week. Social life, have you got one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we do. We get out all right. Um, <clears throat> we. Um, we have quite a good group there in, in Melbourne of Irish lads. There's seven of us, I think. Um, myself, Connor Glass, Connor McKenna, Kieran Byrne, Dara Joyce, Ray Kinellan, Kieran Sheehan, Mark O'Connor is there in Geelong. So mm-hmm. we have a great WhatsApp group and we meet up quite regularly then when we can uh, for either just maybe if we can't drink, maybe a feed um, at an Irish pub or if we can drink, we might have a few points or something like that. So. We do, could we, yeah, well, <laughs> we do get away as well. We get out into other places, but uh, we there could be a few weeks where you go out without being out in the town, out in the city, or whatever. Um, but then there will come a time after, say, seven eight weeks or something in preseason, or they'll be like, okay, we'd have a two or three day break, and Hawthorne, the boys, the performance boys, tell us, all right, enjoy yourselves, take the break, the break, don't touch a football, don't watch football, don't listen to football. Um, and go enjoy yourselves. So those type of t- those times is when we do get out. All right. So they know they know how to <clears throat> that, that you're still young fellas and stuff, and that you need that bit of crack and, and mentally and it's it's yeah. it's needed. So it is for someone to stay sane, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's, so it's, um, it's, it's not all it's not all high life as we think and whatever. There's, there's, yeah, <laughs> there is you a, do need your downtime and stuff exactly. Like that. So. Um, I know we enjoy it when we can, but there is certain stints where you're flat out for for a certain a certain period. Yeah, and you, and you do need, of course, to to get a bit of get a bit of your own time, get to do what you just want to do uh, as as young lads, which is still are. You're only 19 years of age. I suppose then bringing it back to to the to the footballing aspect, what was the biggest change in skill set that you found uh, going from ga or rugby to the AFL? Like, what what is like understanding the game as well because like, it's a completely different game I know a lot of people make make an, a, a, an obvious look at it that it's catching a ball and kicking it but you were describing to me off air you know a couple of different things that you hadn't that you didn't realise before you went over yeah probably one well firstly actually one simple thing is that nobody you don't stay in actual positions on the pitch say and guy yeah, you've got alright that's the corner forwards position um, up there, top left, or whereas in Aussie rules, everyone kind of moves with the ball. So wherever the play is, you set up from that. Um, okay, yeah. So and you've got so if the ball is, we we'll say, mid right hand side of the field, you all know a position you just have to get to. Yeah, or you have to okay. swing around and as a full unit. As a full unit, yeah. You're kind of like a block, is what we call it. You're all moving right. around. Um, so, like, there could be times where the ball's up the other end as a backman and you could be the last man and there'd be nobody in the other half of the pitch, like... Um, but as soon as that ball moves, you all have, ball, to move all have to move in sync. With it. Exactly, yeah. Um, or else you'll get caught out. So that's probably one simple one. The other one is body work. Like, you're allowed, say, a big high ball's coming in. 
you're allowed to kind of tussle with the man or grapple with the man bef and engage him before you actually go for the ball right? Um, and bump him off. Uh, whereas in Ga, you're going for a ball from a kick out. It's two men running their own patterns. To and get, they're not allowed and they're going for the to ball. collide before yeah, the ball arrives. They can't collide f before the ball. It would be a free. So can you, when the ball is coming towards you and you're, we'll say, me and you're grappling, can you throw me to the ground at that stage? Or I, do, do you I, just have to hold them off? I can hold, them, I can hold you off is certainly one aspect. Um, hold them off with one hand and then last minute go with both hands. Um, or throwing someone to the ground, you can kind of you can't grab them as such. Okay, um, that'd be called holding. But you yeah. can certainly move them out of the way with your hands, with hand your them off elbows. to the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, that type of stuff. So body work is certainly a big one that, as a backman, we'd be working on a lot. Then obviously, the aspect that a lot of people would see is the high flying marks, jumping on people's backs, and getting up to 10, 12 feet in the air or something like that, yeah. taking a big grab. Um, they call them speckies over there. Um, so, yeah, there is certain... You've had a few that. speckies this year with Simonstones, you have, <laughs> <laughs> just to mention oh, that. No, <laughs> but um, having played last year and being part of the Box Hill um, team, you you had that period in the middle where you, where, where you had the injury or whatever, but you got back into the team and you had a quite quite a successful year and you made it to the finals at the yeah. end of the year. Yeah, it was kind of a weird one because our, the senior team, we actually didn't go so well and they, they didn't make finals. Um, so they were out by the end of August, I think it was. Or, whereas the Box Hill team were still going, we were still going. Um, and that's where management make a decision, well, what boys are going to go on their holidays and what boys are going to stay playing with the Box, with the box Hill. Um, there's certain rules with how many games you played senior that year or how many games you played with Box Hill. Um, okay. But we did quite well and we went on to the third week in September where we lost in the semi-final to uh, Richmond. Um, the team went done the hamstring against. But, uh, I, 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 but you had beaten, <coughs> it was the team you did your hamstring against, but you had beaten Hams, uh, sorry, you had <laughs> beaten the hamstring. You'd beaten Richmond in that game and beaten them quite well. We did, yeah. We beat them by 50 points or so, 40, 50 points, I think. Um, so was it a case for them that they had... Similar to the to the Hawks, they had let certain lads go on holidays and kept back some. Well, what happened there was Richmond actually went on to win the AFL. Okay. So they did so, and another big factor was they had a healthy list. They had practically no one injured on their list of forty-five people. Wow. Whereas usually, it would be normal for at least six, seven towards the end of the season as well that a few boys would be like, okay, there's no point coming back or whatever. We'll yeah. just look towards next year and they'll can them. Like we had, I think, 10 or so um, not fit to play. Okay. So then that means younger boys or some boys would have to be called up to the seniors to fill in. And then you have less boys that playing, less Hawthorne listed boys playing, playing for, for the Box Hill. Box Hill. So, it, um, yeah, that kind of went, went against us a bit. But look, on the day, they were an extremely good outfit, so we, we can't complain. Um, but look, it was brilliant to get that fire because it was, I think there was 13, 14,000 people at that game wow. as a reserve game. Like yeah. it was, it, it, the VFL competition is such a big, um, a big competition and kept in high, high regard. So um, it was brilliant to get a taste of that finals footy. At, I suppose it's probably there. similar to the, to the All-Ireland Under-21 Championship in that uh, you're kind of looking at the players of the future really with the Box Hill. Uh, in the VFL, yeah. Um, okay, you've got a scattering of X or older players, but 
most of the younger guys who are coming through will be coming through the Box Hill team or whatever, yeah. the, the VFL league. Yeah. And that that itself would would ha- would drag a crowd to it as well, especially when it gets to the knockout stage. Certainly. Um, just to see what younger guys are coming up and can they spot anyone who's, who's going to make a, a big name for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it certainly would be, a, that's the breeding ground basically for all the young lads. Um, so it's a serious competition. Um, as we spoke about it earlier on, but um, the biggest change in skill set and whatever. But then going going out to play the game, the pitch is an oval pitch. Yeah. What kind of dimensions are we talking about? We're talking roughly 150 in length and maybe 60, 70 meters, I think, in width. So it, and it's oval, so it's it is a big, it is a big pitch, all right. Um, and you do a lot of running, a lot more running anyway. I know we do 14, 15, 16k a game right. on the GPS. So, and a lot of it would be high intensity run, running. Well, depending on your position, but as a backman, half backman, you're kind of covering other people as well and coming around in a pendulum. So you're doing a lot of sacrificial running or um, unrewarding running. Um, so getting into position into that yeah and yeah. just covering off um, areas certain scenarios or what if that happens oh you've got to get to that position to make sure it doesn't and even if you have to get out that side to be an outlet for a kick coming around across the pitch yeah. so you do a lot, a lot more running but you, the pre-season sets you up for that so that's why it's important for the, to have a good and you pre-season. just mentioned back man and you mentioned half back man and I presume there are positions obviously yeah. on, on the field for anybody who's listening in but just go through the positions on the team because obviously you've no goalkeeper. So yeah, so there's 18 players on the pitch. There's okay. six backs, six midfield, and six forwards. The backs and backs and forwards they're kind of like half backs and and full backs, kind so. of full backs, yeah. Or it's kind of it's kind of split like that, or it's split like three talls and three small backs. Okay, okay. Um, so and three tall forwards and three small forwards. Then in the middle. You've got a ruckman, which is a, a really the tallest guy usually on the pitch. He's could be six, seven, six, eight. They go right up, and they're the boys who tap it down when the ball's thrown in. They tap it down. He contests against another ruckman. They tap it down to their three small mids mm-hmm. who, are, who are inside around them, and then just outside them, there's a big square in the middle of the oval. Just outside that square, you can't go into the square until the ball's bounced. Is the two wingmen? Okay. So they play on the wings, up and down the wings. Uh, now, they do some run, let's say. They do the most amount of run. They <laughs> do ridiculous amount of run. I wouldn't see me at all. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd be the full four just sitting in the, <laughs> sitting in the square. Um, at my kicking age, goals, definitely. Kicking goals. Um, but yeah, no. So there are the positions, and then from that, there's various other things going on. And there is, I was going to come to that as well. Like When, when, when you look at the scores from, from a game, okay, you've got your goals and you've got your wides, which is a score. Um, <laughs> and then you've got, um, you've got the stats. And in the stats, you've got, I just have it written down here, disposals, tackles, marks. You've got different types of marks Contested as well. Marks, Contested marks. marks and... There's yeah. So a disposal is basically getting the ball, is really what a disposal. Getting the ball and getting rid of it. Uh, now, if releasing you, it before a tackle, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. If you get pinged for a tackle, if you have the ball and someone tackles you with it, I'm fairly sure. Now, don't someone might correct me on this. Fairly sure that uh, you don't get a disposal for that. So then tackles is a big one. Kind of 
four, five, six tackles a game is pretty big. It depends on the position, right. I suppose. It's, it really is depending on the position. But uh, contested marks is a big one. If you're basically that's being in a pack of players contesting against somebody else, and you take the mark, you catch the take ball. the mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that would be a massive one. And stats is a huge thing in the game. I was really. just going to say that. Yeah, the, like the stats seem to like they're nearly as big as the score at the end of the game because yeah. they go through someone's stats and and where Those. I where I find stats can sometimes be. Uh, misleading um, like a fellow was on the ball 10 times and he gave 10 good passes in Gaelic football that could have been just releasing the ball to the nearest man to him exactly. where he never kicked the ball into a full forward or something yeah. like that So, this, but the stats in, in, in the AFL they're, they're huge they are huge and like say something to cater for that type of scenario would be metres gained which is what they're big into okay, so yeah. how many metres gained has a man from his passes yeah. so yeah, yeah. has he gone backwards the whole time That'd be minus. Like so, if hopefully he's going forward the whole time and he's kicking it to somebody um, on the lead, which is running out for the ball, and they taking the mark, say 50, 60 meters up the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the big ones. Uh, clearances for the midfielders in around the stoppages, which is where all the uh, grunt work goes on, where the ball's thrown up and they're trying to get rid of it. So they're trying to clear it out of that congestion. Okay. So that's another stat there. There's uh, spoils, which is. Well, it's not actually, they don't look at the stats. We do, I know, as backmen in that. We're stopping our man from taking the mark. Are yeah. we getting those spoils? Body work, when we're looking through our vision, are we getting Are we getting contact with the man before the ball is arriving? That's a big one. Um, or just as the ball is arriving. Um, so, yeah, it's huge. Like We have four or five full-time boys at the club just doing the stats. Um, we have a full-time oppo guy looking at opposition He'll have a report ready for us on the Tuesday morning. The Monday we review all our stuff. The tu- then we park at that on that Monday. The Tuesday we come in and we start getting ready for the, the next game. And he shows his, his his report on that team. Who's going to be playing? Who's got an injury? Or um, what type of game style they play? What they don't want from us that they'll suffer with? Or what they want us to show them? Um, so it's... It is. It's, it's quite intense. It the, is. The stats yeah. are the the stats are quite intense. Yeah, the stats are intense, and they, you can get caught up in them sometimes. Sometimes the coaches will say, "Oh, forget that. Just bloody go out there and win the game." <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so each quarter, then because the game is in quarters, the the coach will come down and he'll read out a few a few stats and which is good and which is bad, which what we need to improve on, which will help us win the game. So. Yeah, it's a massive area. It's, mi- it's mind-blowing, it really yeah. is. And as, um, wh- What will be your aspirations this year coming with uh, Hawthorns? You're going back there in early November, you're getting straight into pre-season. And I, I suppose, what, what are your hopes and where do you see the Hawks and the Box Hill, Haw- uh, Box Hill Hawks going this year? Certainly, our aspirations is always to make finals and, and from that then we're reassessed to, to, there, yeah. to, to win it. Um, because we had such a good year at Box Hill, we're actually quite a quite a, a young group of uh, young lads uh, and an experienced by the way. It was, yeah. as well when you, when you look at yourself and Connor Glass playing on that team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. well, yeah, I suppose yeah, it was a bit different. But uh, we actually have a, a New Zealander as well at Hawthorne. Um, so I one stage, a couple of games there at the start, we were playing as the basically the full back line. It was an international full back line. Um, <laughs> so boys were saying, "Just the ball comes down, we." I don't know what we're going to go on and go with here, but uh, 
<laughs> it, uh, no, that's what our aspirations is. Personally, mine is to get back, have a really solid pre-season again, um, do a lot of the workload, no injuries, and uh, to hopefully make the debut next year because that's where, that's ultimately the goal is to be playing senior football over there and to, to be a success. So we uh, looking forward to it. Uh, it's a challenge, but it's one that I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into. When you say you aspire to making your debut, and I have no doubt you will and whatever, but like to take it back, maybe ten years when you were nine or ten years of age, you know, like growing up in Navan, what were your aspirations back then? Like, you know, did you was it that you wanted to be an AFL footballer or a professional <laughs> soccer player, or a rugby player, or something, or did you want to be a doctor? Or, you know, like uh, when I was looking back, when I was really young, I had a great mate of mine across the road, John Smith. Uh, who actually brought me up to Simonstown, I think, the first time he was playing with them. He's since moved on now to Simonstown, but uh, he back then, I think, we both wanted to be builders anyway. Um, <laughs> we are just digging up dirt and putting it into tractors and toy tractors and driving them around and stuff like that. But, uh, but he, ended up, he ended up working on a farm, so he did, and he's driving <laughs> tractors, uh, and he's digging up dirt the whole lot. I was uh, talking to him the other day, so yeah. it was the great lad, John. He is. Um, but, yeah, I suppose when I was kind of 9, 10, 11, a big hero was Ron O'Gara, and I was kind of started, we started kicking in rugby terms. We started playing on full-size pitches around 13, and... I started being the kicker then and was taking the conversions and penalties and was big into that. We'll go out practicing my kicking the whole time on a Saturday morning or, or it could be a Friday night or whatever, um, just kicking balls over the bar. But uh, it was kind of, yeah, probably I wanted to be an out-half. Uh, I think it was a big one, play for Ireland, be an out-half. Uh, academically then, going into school, didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, and then towards the end it was kind of more science and if maybe if I'd stayed in Ireland I might might have uh, looked to go down the, the medical route whether I would have in the end I, I don't really know it's bloody hard to get into as well <laughs> um, but uh, no they were kind of I suppose the aspirations he was Rog was kind of the main one um, and, and so Rog was your, was your main man when it came to rugby who was your your role models in Gaelic who did you look up to in Gaelic football or were you too uh, preoccupied with the rugby? I was fairly preoccupied with the rugby. Um, who else was there? I suppose teammate now, Shane Rock was playing. Yeah, yeah. And he was going quite well as a as a very young lad. Um, so he was probably one. Um, I then only as I got older started to go to Simestown senior matches. Um, I would have saw him playing as well. And that. Um, but he was probably, yeah, it was kind of more... I was occupied with the rugby but yeah. if it was Gal it was probably him it was probably him and, and you had no role model in soccer then I take it no no oh well I know I did actually yeah for a while I went through a period there with Ronaldo um, <laughs> at United I remember we went over mum dad brought myself and the brother Edward over to uh, Old Trafford and we saw United play City in 09 I think it was United won 2-1 and Ronaldo scored a penalty or scored a free kick so I was besotted had to go down to the I think it was the mega store below it. Or, um, had bought all the kit, uh, the white kit, the long sleeve, Ronaldo on the back. Oh, it was I was was besotted for a while, all right, with Ronaldo. <laughs> but I quickly moved on from him. Um, 
You saw him diving a little bit yeah, too well, much and just saying... Well, I was, quite, I was realistic with my soccer skills as well. <laughs> well, um, having said that now, we have a video of you again. There's plenty of videos of it. But your soccer skills in the semi-final against uh, against Wolf Tones yeah. were quite good. That ball played yeah. through to you and then a little, little side <laughs> foot across to... I think that was... You played that ball. I will not worry about who played the ball in. We'll just worry about I you. I think I was just... I was so tired, I was said, Jesus, get rid of the ball quick. <laughs> You played a nice little yeah. soccer style pass over to the captain Podge McKeever yeah. for him to get a goal, and it's it's brilliant talking to you about your role models growing up because at this stage now, um, and I think you probably know this at, at this stage, but you probably won't. You're too modest to believe it, but you are a role model um, for, for like we saw it last Sunday in Simonstown. The players, uh, the, it was the players meeting the kids day, and. Um, just to see uh, the kids going out to you and uh, looking for your autograph and getting the picture taken with you. And on a personal note, I, I don't think that they could have a better role model than yourself, Connor, because uh, you know, you've your head so well screwed on. It, 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 it's so wonderful to meet a guy of your calibre when it comes to your sporting uh, achievements and your sporting, um, I, I suppose, aspirations, and then just your academic, academic uh, beliefs as well. And you're just an all-round good guy. But anyway, before I start uh, uh, welling up with tears here, <laughs> we'll bring it back Moving to St. Pat's. Um, we spoke about your leaving cert already in 2016, but who was your favourite teacher? Uh... <laughs> I had, a, I had a few, all right. I liked, uh, I liked geography. Um, Is that the name I, of the teacher? No, no. <laughs> I liked geography and I, had, I think I had Jane Costello for that. Um, she was a very good teacher and very well structured, so I did well in that exam and liked that. Uh, what else did I like? I had, um, well, it was only teacher, well, it wasn't I teachers. Had, well, yeah, te- <laughs> yeah, teacher, I suppose. Uh, Martin Kniff, I had him for physics. He was always good crack and blowing stuff up and <laughs> we never used we never used to have the right equipment so he'd somehow make it up and <laughs> he'd improvise, he'd so improvise he massively so yeah. that was all physics teachers just always seem to be like that yeah. my physics teacher was, was the exact same very was great crack and you go into the uh, um, into the lab and all of a sudden as you said he's making things out of yeah. kind of it's kind of like they all wanted to be MacGyver what was your great. favourite subject I think you've mentioned that already it was geography then yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. so okay we're going to bring it back a little bit of light heartedness now before we finish up yeah. because this is a GAA podcast I'm going to bring you back to Simonstown and I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about your Simonstown teammates. Okay. Okay. This is who, big now. There's a, lot this is, there's a lot riding in this, and there's a lot of players are going to want to know um, where, they, where they rank in these uh, questions. Okay. Then. Ten questions. Who's the biggest joker on the Simonstown team? Stevie Moore, hands Stevie down. Stevie Moore, hands down. Um, who's the best trainer on the Simonstown team? Neil Kane, squealer. I have to agree with you. Who's the worst trainer on the Simonstown team? Oh, Sham Kenny. He always, yeah, he. Turns up half hour late every single time. <laughs> I think there was one morning there. He, we were training at eleven. We were there around quarter past ten or so, and he walked in the door and we we're like, "What are you doing?" He goes, "What? Oh, Jesus, he thought training was at ten o'clock." <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Who was the most potential on that Simonstown team? Brink on. Brink Collin. Yeah, I, I was full sure that was going to be me. <laughs> um, who's the most dangerous tackler on the team? Oh, Shane Gallagher. Yeah, he's just, he's ferocious. He's very fair, but he's very hard. <laughs> Who's the biggest moaner on the team? 
Stevie Moore. Stevie Moore. Oh, sorry, yeah, Sean Tobin was a close second. <laughs> yeah, Sean Tobin. I don't know how you jumped across Sean for that one. Uh, who spends most of the time in the mirror on the Simonson team? Hodge McKeever. El Capitano, yeah. Yeah. Um, who is the best style on the Simonson team? You can't name yourself. Uh, well, probably the two Isle lads and yourself and Seamus Kenny are pretty, <laughs> pretty good, I have to say. When they rock into the 41, they're not bad now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and completely like, different styles. You have that cardigan, remember, you like as well. <laughs> Yeah, this one <laughs> I still have that cardigan. You'll see it next week. Um, and uh, who has the worst style on the team? Oh, um, who's the worst style? Probably Column. Actually, Column, the manager. <laughs> He's just pretty plain. <laughs> Same things, just maybe. Got the elbow pads on the yeah, jackets and stuff. He's know, a real teacher. The you know? horsewear and stuff like that. The as well, horsewear. Like, yeah, he just. Playing. He's just so played. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose the last one is uh, the best player that you've ever played with um, in Simonstone. Jeez, uh, I've played with a fair few. Um, oh, there's so many different things, I suppose. Uh, I think you mentioned them already. <laughs> <laughs> what, you? No, it? no, no. I think you mentioned them as your role model probably growing up. Yeah, Your probably playing Shane. partner in the middle of yeah. the field. Shane, he does things alright, yeah, that are pretty outrageous. Young player Breen, Breen Conlon coming through is pretty uh, pretty good as well. Um, and then Squealer, I suppose. Yeah. Those three, but yeah, certainly Shane, um, just foot skills are outrageous and he's uh, liable to do anything as well. Yeah, he's a, he's a quality footballer. Uh, this podcast will be going out after the senior championship final between Simonstown and Summerhill. So uh, that's why we really haven't discussed it. So it's either going to be a well done to uh, yeah. Connor or it's going to be a commiserations to Connor. But um, anybody who is tuned in, that's why we didn't ask him or talk to him about the senior championship final. So I want to thank Connor for coming in and sitting down to do this interview with me. Connor, it's been an absolute pleasure. We wish you the best of luck in the final, obviously, on the weekend. And we wish you the best of luck in Hawthorns in 2018 and hopefully, hopefully you'll be making that debut. Exactly, yeah. Thanks very much, Mickey. Thank you.